We are in the second week of our series called Untying the Knot. Um, and uh, we have special guests with us. Rick and Cindy Schmidgall uh, have been at Christ Community Church for about two and a half years. And uh, they're going to share their story with us. And you guys, I just want to, uh, one, thank you uh, for being transparent and being willing to be here and just share your story with us and just welcome you. So thanks for being here. Let's start out by just talking a little bit about your backgrounds, how you grew up and kind of where you came from. Cindy, tell us. I grew up uh, in a large family on a cattle ranch in Minnesota. Um, I, I had uh, six brothers and four sisters. Wait, six brothers and four sisters? So yes. you had ten siblings? There, yes, there were 11 of us. <laughs> okay. But it was um, a large ranch, so we had plenty to do. We worked hard. We had very little free time. My parents were a strong Christians, very strong Christians, and taught us about Jesus from little on up. Um, they also instilled in us a very uh, strong self-worth. Um, my dad was a firm believer that you could do anything you wanted if you put your mind to it, if you worked hard enough. Yeah. If you have troubles, you just, like, get back up, work harder, pull up your bootstraps, you know, just keep on going, and you'll accomplish what you, what you desire. And um, we were very active in church, but, you know, in, the, in our church and they taught us to uh, repent and live our life for Jesus you know and you know, like in our teen years they encouraged that and however did you do that I want I knew I would someday or I felt I would someday but I decided I should find my husband myself first and I would come to the Lord after I got married and so that's, so that's, you you had it planned all figured out you're going to find your husband and then you're going to so you, yeah. you put off the whole relationship with I did Christ until, oh, yeah that's I just, interesting I thought that was the best order for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rick, tell us about your growing up. Was, was it similar? The one similarity was that I was brought up in the same strong conservative uh, Christian church as what Cindy was in central Illinois, a uh, different uh, church but the same denomination. Uh, but growing up, I was an only child, and I had uh, the first 10 years of my life, my parents were separated. Dad moved in and out of the house, and over the course of time, uh, my grandparents would take me to church on Sundays. And my dad and mom continued this rocky relationship until I was 10 when they divorced. Uh, the feeling I had with that was really a low self-esteem, as I learned many years later. Because of our strong conservative uh, community that we lived in and the church, I was one of only a few children whose parents were divorced mm. and came from a broken home. So I was always a little different. I felt a little different or an outcast almost. At age 11, I had a situation. Uh, my dad owned a business in town and he had an employee that asked if I would, uh, could go boating with him. And dad said, sure, go ahead. And so I went with him, and instead of going boating, we went to his house, and I was sexually molested for 11 months uh, after oh that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He had threatened if I told anyone, he would harm my dad, and I was afraid of that. But after the 11 months, I was very troubled with this, and I finally told my mom, who then told dad. In those days, you didn't report these kind of things to authorities. You just, uh, due to the humiliation, so... Uh, he terminated the employee, and that was the end of that, and went on with life. But uh, that was pretty much my upbringing as far as my family. That was the end of that for 
that employment, not the end of it for right. you, the victim right. of that. Of Correct, that. yeah. Wow. So um, that obviously impacted you. You're, you're growing up, both of you growing up in uh, different kind of situations. How did you end up uh, meeting each other and ultimately getting married? Well, I moved to Illinois um, about six months before we met. I met with a girlfriend. Uh, we were I both graduated from nurses training, and we just wanted to kind of move somewhere for adventure, and we had a lot of friends in central Illinois. And so um, we moved there, and dating, I dated occasionally, but it wasn't like a, a huge part of my life. It certainly didn't, like, identify who I was. It really didn't matter to me if I had a boyfriend or not, because I had a large group of friends, and I was enjoying my nursing career, and... And then about six months after I moved there, I met Rick. Hmm. Rick, how was it for you? I mean, how, what were your relationships like before meeting Cindy? Well, I vacillated towards girls. I liked to, I had a flirtatious behavior, part of my self-esteem structure, and uh, dated a lot during high school and college. Uh, unfortunately, I was unfaithful to them. Also, I would date two or three girls at the same time and not tell the other yeah. women. Uh, this happened until close to the time Cindy and I met, and I realized that I needed to do something different, go a different direction with my life. Mm. And then I met Cindy uh, through a mutual friend at work that I worked so, with. So you guys met, got married. Where were you spiritually during this time? Neither one of us were committed to Christ. I mean, we, we both knew, we talked about it while we were dating. We both knew that we, we were both raised, you know, about Jesus, and we knew that we wanted to walk with Christ, but neither one had made that commitment yet when we got married. Mm -hmm. and about six months after we were married, Rick kind of took the lead and says, you know, we talked about this. I think it's time that we really give our lives to the Lord and start living for him. So then we did. Hmm. So your plan kind of worked out from yeah, when you were a kid, like, I'm going <laughs> to wait till I find the guy, and he's going to convince me that I need to follow Christ. I did, that's, yeah. That's so good, far. Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. So how was, how was your marriage uh, for the first several years? It was good. I mean, I think it was, it was good. We got um, six months after we married is when, you know, we gave our lives to the Lord, and then we got real involved with the church. We had... Um, what a cute couple there. That's, yeah. <laughs> Long Mustache. time ago. Mustache. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were involved with the church. We had lots of friends, and three years after we were married, we had our first son, and then within the next six years, we had a daughter and another son. Five, about five years into the marriage, uh, Rick took a position up here in Elgin, and we, so we moved up here. We just kind of transferred to the same denomination, stayed with the same church, and okay. quickly made new friends and um, got involved in church, and life was good. Okay. So, Rick, somewhere along the way, you're, you're in a work situation. You're kind of high up in an organization, and um, something kind of occurred at work that put stress on your marriage. What, tell, tell us about that. Well, we had moved up here for a position with our church that we were a part of. Um, and I went to work for a church-owned organization, a church-owned business. And we had a management issue that we dealt with that was very taxing and trying on me. But after a period of time, and we really let this go on too long probably, but we took action, which at that point then had gone on so long that it caused a division on the board of directors. Uh, I felt very stressed because they, not everybody was supporting me. We had a good reputation in the community, a very high standing in the state of Illinois regulatory bodies that oversaw us and felt very good about what was going on at work but felt very 
stressed about this situation that here's people that are not happy with me or my work. Mm. So I would come home to Cindy after board meetings and tell her my struggles and trials and um, she, I really didn't feel support from her uh, the way she reacted, I felt at the time. So Cindy, what was your reaction? I mean, he's got stuff going on at work, it's causing stress for him. He's What's your yeah, response? Yeah, I knew he was. I knew he was stressed. I knew he, he felt like he was kind of working in a bubble that they were like looking over his shoulders trying to find him doing something wrong. Um, and I knew it bothered him, but I didn't understand how it bothered him because I didn't have that same low self-image. I mean, I just, I just didn't get it because I would just say just ignore him, forget it, let it roll off your shoulders, in ear, one ear out the other, you know, pull up your bootstraps, just go on. And I just... That's what we did on the farm, right? I just yeah. think... <laughs> That's how, that was the best way to deal with it. And, yeah. I, and the whole time, I realize now, his self-esteem was just continually being shattered, and I was really not much help to him at all. Yeah. So, Rick, you're, you're feeling that. I mean, just some of us may listen to this and kind of go, look, we all have stress at work. We've got things going on. Uh, is that a reason to cause your marriage, you know, issues in your marriage? Um, Rick, tell us about that. That that obviously seemed like a, a big deal in your life. You're not feeling supported by Cindy. What what happened then? Well, I felt I really need to talk to somebody who's not tied in with the church or related to the church, but yet knows what's going on. Mm. And being a predominantly female business that I worked at, I talked to uh, some employees that were worked with me that were could listen to me but not related. And as I conferred with them about the problems, uh, a couple situations occurred, but one in particular, um, I started to become close to her and talk about things that weren't necessarily business related to the point that she would share her challenges in life with me. And it got to a point where we became so close that I would take her on business meetings to go along under the guise of being work related when she really had no need or business going along on those meetings. Hmm. And eventually after that time we kept getting closer, I kept becoming more distant from Cindy and uh, it ended up in a full-blown adulterous situation and affair. Wow. Just a, a bit of an aside here, for many of us it may not be a work situation but possibly uh, financial pressure or relational pressure, maybe your spouse is very negative or maybe there's just other things that are happening in your life that cause you to just turn a different direction a few degrees and start to, to look and look for something. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, up here, chapter 10, verse 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. And, and God is faithful. He will provide a way out. His word says that. But if we're not looking for a way out, we're in fact looking for another direction, um, that'll, be there, that'll be there too. So just, just a word. Watch out. Watch out when that, when that begins. Cindy, through this whole process, was there a point at which you're starting to get concerned or suspicious? Um, yeah, I definitely started getting suspicious. Um, he started going to work earlier, uh, coming home later, going back in the evenings, Saturdays. You know, he would 
tell me he's going to get gas, it takes 45 minutes, and uh, didn't answer his cell phone. I mean, there were a lot of things that were suspicious. A couple times I found some greeting cards, you know, like some love cards, and I never received them. And whenever I'd ask him about this, he would um, just, he was a super smooth talker, and he could easily lie, and he just would, you know, talk his way out of it. He had an excuse for everything. And I'm not quite sure if I believed him or if I just wanted to believe him to protect the kids. And I, I think I, the more I asked him, the more we'd fight, and he'd go get mad again. It was just a vicious circle, and I just wanted to protect our kids and just kept hoping he would come to his senses and wake up and come back to the Lord and repent and mm. just kind of went on like that for a while till finally he got, so I guess, tired of me asking him and tired of hiding that he told me he was having an affair. Wow. So as you look at that time right now, was there anything that you would do well, differently? I, ke I kept it a secret because I still, I was afraid he's going to lose his job and I was afraid for the kids. I didn't, I just didn't want the kids to be hurt. Yeah. And, yeah. And like I said, I kept thinking, he, hoping he would change his mind and praying that he would, you know, come back. And so I kept it a secret that if I did anything different, I would, I should have told someone then, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of would have like maybe stopped sooner. Yeah. But I didn't. I carried it a while. So, Rick, what's what's going on inside of you through this whole thing? I mean, at, at some point, this, as you said, goes into a full-fledged adulterous situation. What, what are you thinking? Well, I was doing this and realizing what I was doing, and on the one hand, I couldn't believe it was happening, that I had allowed this sin to enter my life, and yet I was living a hypocritical life. I was, on the one hand living this life, lying to Cindy, and on the other hand, I was in our church teaching Bible class students, high school students, about God's Word. And wow. twisted and warped as it was, I thought I could justify sinning by doing a better outward appearance and a better job of doing God's work. And it was just a completely weird thinking process. I mean, my thought process was very skewed, and I justified it through that. I was a hypocrite. Well, you know, it did, again, we can often, maybe you've been in this circumstance where you think, that would never happen to me, and yet there are little steps along the way where you take mm -hmm. these, these steps, and it does, as, as in your situation, lead to something. Um, Proverbs says this in chapter 6, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And that was, that was your situation. You're, you're right in the middle of that. Yeah. I was struggling greatly with the guilt. I, on the one hand... I thought I had hurt Cindy and the kids, uh, they knew about it now and that I couldn't hurt her anymore, so how can I hurt another person by leaving them and uh, was very much in turmoil with that. Wow. I really felt that my job was to, to divorce Cindy, let her go on in life, and then I would go on with life after that. And. Eventually, I ended up living in 16 different places, most of those in hotels. Uh, never wanted a permanent address because I wanted the normalcy of life, and I would go back to the house and see Cindy and 
she finally was fed up with that and would put my mail out in, under a bush so I didn't have to come into the house. And Good for I you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, under a bush. You're lucky it was under a bush. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So how did this, let's back up a little bit. How did this um, all become known? I mean, Cindy, you, you, the revelation was there for you. You right. figured it out. You, you guys had that conflict. But it wasn't yet public and out to your employer, the church, all that sort of thing. How, how did that all come about? Um, Cindy knew about it, and so did this other uh, woman's husband for a period of time. Mm. E eventually... He went to one of the members of church that he knew and told him about what was going on, the affair, who then talked to a leader of the church. Uh, I was then called out to a meeting, and I confessed that at the meeting. Uh, my thoughts were, just get it out in the open. Everybody's going to know sooner or later, and I might as well tell it now. Uh, two days later, I was excommunicated in the church, so then it was in the public. The church people knew about it. And... That didn't do anything for my self-image. It just hurt it more, of course, but rightfully so. But uh, with that, once that became known, then I was told I could keep my job uh, as long as I would terminate the relationship with her and the relationship. And I told them I would do that, and I worked on that, and I continued to have that struggle, kept thinking about, well, it's gone so far now, I might as well go through with the marriage of her and a divorce with Cindy and filed for divorce. I uh, eventually then, after six months from that excommunication, uh, the church did terminate my employment and my employment at that point. From the business that you were in? From the business, yeah. yes. Yeah, wow. So Cindy, you're living all of this. What was the revelation like when it went public and now everybody knows? What was that like for you and what were you thinking? It, it was embarrassing. Um, now everybody knew that my husband rejected me for another woman. Um, I felt totally alone. None of my friends or family were divorced. It just hurt so much. I mean, it's, you can't explain it. It hurt so much and then it hurt even more. I hurt even more for my kids. I just felt so bad for the kids. Um, our church didn't believe in divorce, but, and I just, I just would Plead with Rick if he could just, couldn't you just, like, come back to the Lord, repent for your sin, I mean, you know. Yeah. I feared for our boys. You know, the Bible talks about sons inheriting the sins of their fathers, and I just would beg for him, please come back so our boys don't have to, do, you know, go through this. Yeah. But he showed no remorse, and, you know, it wasn't going to happen, so um, I filed for a legal separation. I, I knew I had to do something to let our kids know this is not a normal marriage, you know, so I filed for a legal separation. Okay. Many of you were here last week for uh, the first installment of this series, and Pastor Jim did a great job of just kind of um, looking at God's Word and specific Scripture, and there are uh, uh, two instances where um, the Bible does sanction divorce, and one of these was fitting for, for you. Mm -hmm. That is both for sexual immorality of a spouse and then for abandonment, which uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, I would really uh, encourage you to go watch the video or download the audio of, of that message because Jim did just a, a great job of unpacking both of those. But you were really justified in, in pursuing divorce. You, you, you pursued a legal separation. But it's clear God does not want, he intends for marriage to be forever, and you both knew that, didn't you? Right, yeah. Yeah. 
So, Rick, you, you were actually, you mentioned this earlier, you were actually the one, she filed for legal separation, but then you came back later and filed for divorce. Uh, tell us about that again. What? I filed for divorce, but I called it off, and then I filed a second time and called it off, and finally the third time, my thought was we need a complete break, separation, this pain and suffering on both her part and my part was not getting better, and I felt if we divorced, I could marry this other woman, and likewise, she could go on with her life, and we would just be separate. But the guilt of the Holy Spirit kept convicting me, mm. and the night before our divorce, I was in the back bedroom. I went to the house and tried to tell her I wanted to stop the divorce again, and she wouldn't. She said, we're going through with it this time, and I just cried back there uncontrollably about what had happened to my life that had gotten to this point. Wow. So you're, you're a mess at this point. I mean, you're this way, that way. It's, I want to do this, but you're not willing to fully repent and, and change the situation. But mm -hmm. wow, wow. Um, I think, you know, you realize that what happens inside us, we can be deceived in just a way where um, the evil one can convince us of things that just aren't true and, mm -hmm. and like the dual life that you're living and yeah. even that, that did. so you you left just to clarify because some of us are wondering did this happen over like nine months or a year or what how long was that about three years that of that time three or four years before the divorce yeah before the divorce okay yeah. so this is going on for a long time yeah you had been married time. prior to that what about 15 years 15 years yeah. okay wow this is over a long period so you divorced and now you're living in 16 different places. What, what occurred then? I mean, what, what happened? Well, shortly after the divorce, I was very torn about it. And my mind was just, uh, I was just a mess. I, it culminated with, I would continually read the Bible and force myself to read the Bible to stay, keep that conviction. I didn't want God to no longer call me or give up on me. So I continued to read the Bible, especially Matthew 19.9 about adultery. Mm. And I, it culminated shortly after that at my daughter's baptism. And again, this was 14 years ago. Uh, my closest friend in our, in our life, I got in a confrontation. He confronted me and asked me, he said, isn't this what you want? Don't you want to be back in this life? And it just hit me wrong, and I just, with my mind as it was, I yelled at him in the middle of our church atrium, and I said, you're going to be in hell just with me for badgering me, and I stormed out of church, and after I got home, I thought, what in the world are you doing? What is going on with your life, and where are you headed? And that kind of culminated the fact that I have to try and work on getting back with Cindy. Mm. So what, what led you to that? I mean, what, what helped you make, make any kind of a change or repent? I... I would call Cindy and I'd call her at work and I'd start crying on my way to work. I'd call her and say, I want to get back together. And she would continually say, well, you have to completely end it with this other woman. And I said, I will, but I don't want to hurt her. And this continued on for a period of time. And finally, she said, if you seek counseling and work on ending this relationship, I'll consider. So I did agree to a Christian counselor that our church found and after going to him for about six months, I realized that 
two things that had a great impact on me. One is that I would, uh, part of my belief system was because of my low self-image from little on up, that I wanted to be liked and I wanted people to like me and that I could overcome that and that I could be a good husband again. More importantly was God's forgiveness. God would forgive me for what sin I committed if I would truly repent for this sin and Did, had you he would thought restore me. before that that this is unforgivable? Yes. Yeah, I felt, and particularly if I married this other person, I felt based on 19.9 and Matthew yeah, that I would, there'd be no hope for yeah. me. That was kind of my warped thinking that, because I was already committing adultery, but I'm thinking if I marry her, then I'm really in trouble <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. So you went to a Christian counselor, um, and he helped you unpack both, a, a couple of, of basic truths. Mm -hmm. Just a, an aside here. You know, um, here at Christ Community Church, we have a group of Christian counselors that we work with who are uh, very, very good. We have pastors that do marriage counseling and that sort of thing. And it's really important to be able to unpack some of these things. You know, when Rick, when you talk about uh, the abuse that you suffered as a, as a child, sexual abuse and your self-esteem issues, uh, a counselor can help you really get at that. That is not to say that that helps justify what you've done or say that it's not your responsibility. But understanding why we have the brokenness in our lives, and, and face it, most of us do, have all of us do, have brokenness to one extent or another. Uh, so just a little commercial here for good, solid, biblical, Christian counseling. Take advantage of that because it, it, it turned things for oh, you, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. yeah it, it really helped. And I realized that I could blame no one. I couldn't blame the church for this. I couldn't blame the other woman. I couldn't blame Cindy. It was all me. And it's what I allowed to happen in my life. The real turning point for me was shortly thereafter. Uh, about a month later, we went, our daughter had gotten engaged a couple months before the counseling ended. And we went uh, to her family in Minnesota. Uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity not only to introduce them to our future son-in-law, but also to ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I did that, and they were all very receptive. A uh, couple of them said, well, you have to prove yourself first, but yeah. they were very receptive. And then three weeks later, her father passed away. He had leukemia. And we went to the funeral, and as we were sitting there, they were re the minister was reading the obituary, and as he read it, he said the names, starting with her oldest first, Dennis, wife Judy, Douglas, wife Joyce, Davis, wife Nancy, Cynthia, Gerald, wife, and I realized my name wasn't there. Mm. And I thought, that's what it's going to be like on Judgment Day when I stand before the throne. And I want my name there, and I want my name as part of this family. You want to be sure. And then yeah. I truly, at that point, made a complete conversion, I feel. Well, Cindy, during all of this time, okay, now he's saying, I want to come back, I want to come back. Of course, you've heard that a bunch of times, oh, yeah. and it's not sincere. <laughs> What's different now, and what was your attitude? Well, I had, shortly after the divorce was final, I went to uh, divorce recovery at a local church, went through, you know, several weeks of that, and that was extremely helpful to me. Um, first of all, just walking in the room, you know you're not alone. Mm. And then um, they really helped me work through the forgiveness process, 
and they also helped me to help the kids work through that process. And so I felt when he when he started talking about wanting to come back, I really felt like I had already forgiven him. Really. Wow. And um, obviously, I didn't you know approve of his lifestyle, but I I had forgiven him, and you know we were so um, when he. He said that we kind of started dating, and, um, you know, when, once I knew the other, she was gone, then, you know, we mm -hmm. kind of started dating, and I had, um, my father had taught me about forgiveness, and he always taught us that everybody deserves a second chance, and even if they blow that one, they deserve another one, and, of course, I knew Jesus forgives us, and he teaches to forgive 70 times 7, and so... I knew God had been with me through the horrible years and helped me, and I knew he would go with us if we took this next step and remarried. Wow, what a dad you have. Yeah, I mean, I, as a dad of a daughter, some of you guys who have a, a daughter out there and you imagine this happen, <clears throat> happening to your daughter, I don't, I don't know that I'd... I, I would hope I would have the same attitude as your dad, but that to see your child go through what you went through <clears throat> Excuse me, with this guy. That's hard. Yeah. So you you were you had an attitude of forgiveness. You're forgiving him. Um, interesting. How was the trust thing? I knew that would be the hardest, harder part. You know, I really, I did really worry a little bit about that. But um, I was surprised how quickly it. It came back. Um, the counselor said Rick had to be an open book. I, you know, he, he told Rick she should check all the cell phone bills. You have to be accountable to her wherever she is. But I, I don't think I even checked one cell phone bill. I just when he, I could just tell he was so remorseful. He was 100% different. I mean, it was just it was just evident. His heart was changed. Wow, and God did something. Yes, it significant. Was God's you know, power. Next next week, the final uh, installment in this series. Pastor Jim's going to be talking about uh, life after divorce. And you were living life after divorce. Uh, he's going to be talking about forgiveness and what Scripture says about that. And um, uh, Luke 17, 3 says this, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke him, and if they repent, forgive them. And that's what, that's what you did, Cindy, although you were not mandated by Scripture to reconcile you, you forgave, right. but you, you could have said this marriage isn't going to happen and eventually been married today to, to someone else, mm -hmm. for sure. But you didn't do that. You went well, that extra, yeah, yeah you wanted this. I, I, I kept thinking about our kids and the grandkids that would yet, to, yet be born, you know, and I just, I just knew, you know, I like the idea of the family being whole again. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just knew it would be better if, if we could do that, you know, yeah. if we could all be back together. Did either of you have um, anyone in your life who was um, discouraging you from getting back together or, and encouraging you? You know, Cindy, in your case, this guy is a loser. Look what he's done. Forget him. And, and, and Rick, in your case, hey, you've got something new. That's not going to work. Go with it. I had a couple people say, um, people that I was not close to, but they would say, a man like that will never change, you know. Mm. And um, but all our friends and family were very encouraging. When he showed signs of remorse and wanting to reconcile, they they really encouraged it. And um, they're great Christian friends and family praying for us, and that's really a blessing. Well, it sure is, Rick. What about you? Same for me. I uh, had people that worked for me that were from our church, and. 
they would encourage me to reconcile with Cindy, my family would. Again, my dad said the hardest divorce is the first one and the rest are easy, so unless you want to live this lifestyle, I'd think hard about what you're doing, so very supportive. And because of my self-image, I felt like I didn't want to tell anybody else. I was embarrassed for what I had done and uh, really hadn't told anybody, so I had very, really no one encouraged me to continue on with the that's, divorce. That's great. And you had said your, your dad was divorced your mom and then remarried after that? Five times, yes. He was married a total of six times wow. and was all, also one morning he called me and said, pick me up, and I did. We worked together at the same place, and I ended up taking him to an alcohol rehab facility. So besides that, he was an alcoholic. Wow, wow. You know, um, your story is a little bit unique, and, and some of us might be sitting here today saying, well, yeah, that's, that's their story. I've got a story, but it's not that nice. My X isn't as nice as Cindy was, or, or you've got people in your lives that are saying, it's over, get on with your life, move on and do that sort of things. You guys fortunately didn't have that. You had support. But mm -hmm. Psalm 1 says this. It's some great advice for the counsel that we receive. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And, and you guys did something that, Rick, even in your sinful state, it's like you stayed connected or maybe some other believers stayed connected to you and you kept reading scripture, which is interesting that you've put yourself in that pathway of God's law and, and it, it resulted in something really pretty, pretty special. Uh, just a, a word here for all of us. A lot of times we like to have people around us who tell us what we want to hear, don't we? You know, we're, we're, we're kind of going this way, and there are people that are going to go, yeah, go that way. Or they'll affirm us because they, they aren't interested in confrontation either. And God's word just clearly tells us, do not do that because it'll lead us down a wrong path. So you guys, you remarried, um, and your counseling, Rick, was significant in that. Here's your remarriage day there. That's, that's pretty cool. So you said divorce recovery was really helpful for you. Yes, definitely. Rick, counseling. Can I just give a shameless plug here for Care Night? I got to do that, being uh, the pastor kind of over that, that area. Uh, Tuesday nights are Care Night around here, and... This Tuesday night, we have divorce uh, care and recovery starting up, and we have marriage restoration starting up. And these are two workshops led by really capable people. And all of our care night ministries are led by people who have been there, done that, really understand the issues and the brokenness that we bring to the table. And just an encouragement to our whole church body to take advantage of that. Go online, sign up for those workshops. It's not a place for perfect people, nor is this church for perfect people. It's for broken people who've been restored and are in that process of restoring. So just uh, really take, take advantage of that. So you guys were remarried. Um, you, you kind of came back to the church. Rick, what was that like kind of coming back into that whole situation? Of course, there was some, still some embarrassment, but I was received very well in the church. They were receptive. 
the church did not believe in full restoration. That was their doctrine. And therefore, I could not take communion again uh, for my life as the standing was at that, as it is now. Um, and at first, that was fine. I dealt with that, and I felt after what I did, uh, just to be accepted in the church and be able to come to church, and I had uh, certain privileges restored, and that was fine. But the longer it went, uh, we've been married almost 13 years now, and the longer it went, the more convicted I was about communion, that I should be taking communion and I should be serving more mm-hmm. for the Lord's work. So you wanted to do that. And, and what, what led you? You've been here at Christ Community for about two and a half years. What, what kind of led you guys here? We, uh, our daughter and husband were also part of that church, and they had left, uh, went to Chicago and lived, and then they came, moved back to the area a few years later and decided to look for a church locally and did some church searching and they felt very comfortable with Christ community that that's where they wanted to be. So we started coming with them a little bit, uh, special services, holidays, and uh, we were happy with what we saw in the church. We were happy for them and felt good about the church and the doctrine that's preached here. Uh, We continued going to our church and the fact that I could not take communion really bothered me and we finally, after talking about it several times, we decided uh, that we would make out a list of positives and negatives. I'm kind of perfe- kind of a perfectionist and wanted it in black and white. <laughs> so we overwhelmingly felt that this is where we needed to be in our spiritual life. So we started attending Christ Community on a regular basis then. And uh, about a year and a half ago, took the GPS class and have been members for a uh, little over a year. Yeah, tell me about your your communion experience? Well, having not taken communion for about 18 years, I, the first one was with our close friends, the one that I had had an altercation with at my daughter's baptism. And they also attend Christ Community now. And we just hugged each other. And after that communion, we were with them. And it was just a fabulous feeling mm-hmm. and experience to see we had come full circle. But the second communion was with our daughter and son-in-law. And we took communion. And as we went up, we went to sit in the chairs. And I prayed, standing. And as I opened my eyes, my daughter was standing in front of me just weeping and said, this is the first communion I've ever had with my dad. And at that point, my joy was complete. Wow. That's pretty cool. So you guys have been newlyweds for what, 12, 13 years now? Yeah, getting close. That, yeah. After on round two. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell us, what what have you seen God do in your marriage? I mean, it's easy to sit here and do a 40-minute interview and think that this is all compressed into it all kind of happened, boom, boom, boom. But it's like you're married for a long time, unfaithful mm-hmm. for three or four years, divorced. It was, what, another three three years years Mm -hmm. of that whole reconciliation and trust and all of that thing happening, and then married now for 13 years. What have you seen God do in your marriage in that Um, time? It's been good. It's it's just been a good run. Um, We've been able to help some other couples that have had some marriage problems, you know, some 
one was actually divorced and they reconciled also. And we worked with them a little bit. And then um, we also do uh, the pre-marriage mentoring through Christ Community Church. And some people don't think we're qualified, especially our kids. <laughs> said, I you, think you're qualified. You learn from mistakes, so, you know. Yeah. And um, just having our family together. Our three kids are all married now. And they, we have five grandchildren. And just when I think about it, it would be like if we were still apart and a broken family. It's just, I just can hardly believe it. Just one big happy family. Well, I think we've got a picture here of your clan. Yeah, yeah look at those guys. Man. <laughs> You, you look at that and just say, I mean, I'm sure, Rick, you look at that picture and say, what if I wasn't yes. in that picture? Yeah. Yeah, I've got my best friend with me. We even grow grocery shopping together. <laughs> but it's been just fantastic. The love and the peace we've had in our hearts. And my mom passed away about 10 years ago, but five years ago at age 74, my father turned to the Lord and repented, and I was able to stand at the baptism waters with it. Wow. wow. That was great. So it's been great. Wow. You guys, this is, this is an amazing story, and uh, I, I want to give you just one last chance. If, if you could say anything to Christ Community Church and the folks that are here today, Cindy, what, what, what would you say? I would say if you're in any kind of a situation, you know, where you're wondering or just tell somebody, um, tell a pastor, a parent, a friend, a counselor. I had to learn the hard way that sin just grows deeper if it's kept in the dark. It has to be brought to the light. Mm, yeah, yeah. Rick, what about you? I would say we have to, as men, be on guard, no matter how good of a Christian we may be or life we live, that if we let our guard down, there's that possibility that sin can enter into our life. And once it starts, it can snowball. And if it does happen, you have to keep reading the word, keep giving God the opportunity to convict you and prick your hearts. And on the other end of that, if you do that, he will answer that prayer and convict you. And the peace and joy after that is just fabulous and unbelievable unless you've lived it. And the retirement plan is out of this world. Yeah, that's great. You know, you, there may be people here today that, that are sitting here saying, um, well, I am divorced. This thing has been done, and my life, I'm trying to put it back together or whatever. And I think one of the things that is so encouraging about your story is that God is a God of restoration. Mm -hmm. And he restored you guys together, but he can restore brokenness. That's the business that he's in. You know, 2 Corinthians 5 says we... God, God is a reconciler, and we as believers have the ministry of reconciliation, and you guys are a story of reconciliation, and it's just an amazing, amazing thing, and I want to thank you so much for being here, being transparent with us, and just doing that, and could I just, could we all stand and we pray for you guys and pray for our church? Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you and we want to declare something, Lord. You are the hero of this story. Lord, this stuff can't happen without you. We can't manufacture 
this kind of forgiveness and this kind of love and this kind of life transformation, we declare that it is a lie that a man will never change. Lord, you have the power to change us all and to heal our brokenness. And this morning, Lord, we invite you to do that. We invite you to heal brokenness that's there. We thank you for Cindy and for Rick, their willingness to be transparent and vulnerable and share their story. And the fact that, Lord, you didn't just uh, bring them back and then set them off to the side. Lord, they're, they're in ministry. Lord, you're, you're, they're making difference in people's lives. And it's only a God like you that can do that, Lord. We just want to thank you and praise you this morning in your name. Amen.